This is How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. Where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. Hey guys, welcome back to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. I'm John, and I am sitting at the table with Aaron. Aaron, what's going on, man? Hey, John. Doing good today, man. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to know, you know, let them know what we're talking about. Heck yes. So today, let's talk about knowing your history. That's right. If you are interested enough to do anything, you should be passionate enough to educate yourself on its history, and pro wrestling is no Different. So today, we are going to go over a variety of topics from learning about our history, not wasting time, pandering, and to listening to your actual audience. So that's right. It's more rapid-fire topics today. We've got four super important topics to discuss and to help you become a better pro wrestler. And before we get into that, I want you to head on over to Facebook. All you have to do is type in at how to become a pro wrestler. Click on our private group, hit join, give us your email, answer a couple questions, and you are ready to rock. You can discuss all these topics like we talked about last week, like we're going to talk about this week in kind of shorthand form. We can go into longhand form if you want to talk. You can talk to me, you can talk to Aaron, and all your other peers inside that group. All right, man. Well, you know, let's hit them with it. What is number one? All right. Number one on the list today. Guys, don't waste time and energy pandering to the people who don't like it. What is it? Pro wrestling, guys. What are we talking about? What else will we be talking about? Believe it or not, there are actually people who dislike pro wrestling. I, know I can't shocking. believe it. <laughs> shocking, right? It is. I understand. It goes for everything, though, right? You know, I know that that's crazy, right? Nobody dislikes pro wrestling, but it's true. It happens. You'll encounter it, and if you're in the world, it's, it's just inevitable. It's going to happen. If you're asking me, though, pro wrestling is the most creative and amazing art form available. It's acrobatics, it's athleticism, it's combat sports mixed with theater and romance and comedy. I love pro wrestling. Of course you know that. That's why we do this podcast, guys. I absolutely love it. But here's the thing. You have to stop trying to force people who dislike it, who actively already dislike it, to like it. Okay? This is a really odd aspect of pro wrestling that I've caught, and it creates a just this super bitter outlook on life in general. And I've seen this mentality rot the minds of some truly great performers. I'm, I'm serious, guys. Like, it's taken some great performers to some really dark places, and I hate to see it. You just get so caught up. And I'm not talking about taking somebody that maybe just halfway knows about wrestling and they're not sure, they don't really have an opinion on it, and introducing them to it and trying to get them to like it. I'm talking about the people who are genuinely out there acting against it and thinking you can just transform their opinion on it. You're just wasting your time at that point because you should be focusing on the fans who love and respect the pro wrestling business. If you devote your time and attention to them, I promise they will reward you with their attention in return. Their passion and your passion is infectious Mm -hmm. and it will inspire a whole new generation of fans. Yeah, I love that, John. I love that. And, man, the passion of the wrestling fans is amazing. I mean, you can go on any thread on social media and stuff and just see how many comments and what they're yes. saying about it, like, immediately after something happens. And it's great. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, what's number two? All right. Number two. So the title of the episode, guys, I want you to know your history. This is so important, guys. 
And I really don't think this gets talked about enough. Know your history. I mean, I don't, I, I, I didn't, my, my trainer kind of harped on it a little bit and I don't hear it enough anymore, but I really want to talk about it right now just for a little bit. So knowing your history is super important, guys. It is important to be a student of the game, knowing the history of pro wrestling, you know, where it started in carnivals and how it went from fairgrounds to territories to a global empire. That's important to me, guys. I want you to know about it and show some passion and some respect to pro wrestling. If you're passionate enough to become a pro wrestler, be respectful enough to study the art itself. What has worked in the past? What hasn't worked in the past? Who has the most successes? What wrestlers sold the most t-shirts? And what did that t-shirt look like? That stuff's important, guys. When you really think about it, I love it when guys are trying to hit me with, hey, John, what do you think about this shirt? And it's like super, super complicated. And you know, sometimes super complicated works, absolutely. And sometimes you look out there and you realize that the most popular t-shirts of all time were solid black and they said Austin 316 on them, right. you know, or they were solid black and they had the white letters that said NWO mm -hmm. on them. So like those two t-shirts, pretty much the, the top two selling t-shirts of all time in pro wrestling, both solid black with block white lettering on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most basic of the basic. So keep that in mind as well. Of course, you have to also know who was representing them. You had guys right. like, like like Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall wearing the NWO and then Steve Austin wearing the Austin one. So, you know, that matters too, guys. You can't just create a basic T-shirt and hope that it sells. You know, well, think about Becky Lynch with The Man. I mean, that, that T-shirt as well, one of the most popular of the current generation. So keep that in mind when you're, uh, when, when you're thinking about the history of pro wrestling. Like, what does the most successful things look like? So, unfortunately... There aren't really any courses on the history of pro wrestling. Maybe that's something we need to work on. Yeah. Us. Maybe that's something we can... Maybe one day we'll be the historians of pro wrestling. I don't know. I'm not opposed to that at all. Um, but, you know, it would be nice if there were some some actual studies, some, some courses and whatnot. There are places you can go. There's, like, the Cauliflower Alley Club is a very cool website you can go to that has some cool history and whatnot. But, you know, there's no, like, tried-and-true courses on the history of pro wrestling. But there is info out there. Most importantly, you should really just be listening and respecting the veterans who have paved the way for you to live your dream. So just respect pro wrestling, guys. It, it deserves it because it's got a really interesting and rich history, and you should all know about it because it's just great stuff. All yeah, right. yeah, definitely. Man, if you're passionate about it, you're mm -hmm. going to learn the history. I and you're going to want to, I yes. think, if you're truly passionate about it. You're going to want to do it, yeah. Yep. So. Heck yeah. All right, guys, so... Head on over to YouTube and give us a follow, okay? How to become a pro wrestler on YouTube. We've got some cool videos. We've got episodes of the podcast on there and some unique stuff that you won't see anywhere else. So head on over to YouTube and give us a like. And hey, if you click that bell every single time that we post something new, you'll be notified about it. And we only post the good stuff, guys. No junk from us. So please right. give us a follow over there. Yeah, definitely. We're uh, creating quite a new uh, new video, so sure. definitely get over there and subscribe. Absolutely. All right, so we got two down, John. What is number three? All right, number three. Here we go. Look outside your art form for inspiration. Now, I've talked about this one before, and I want to talk about it again right now and get a little more specific maybe with it because I love this one. So look outside of pro wrestling for inspiration. That, that achieves numerous things, guys. That achieves... You know, first of all, you could bring something unique that's never been in pro wrestling before. You can avoid kind of some of those those tropes in pro wrestling, like like you know, it's it happens, but it's kind of frustrating when somebody's cutting a promo and all of a sudden you realize they're just kind of mimicking like Hulk Hogan. They they say, "Let me tell you something, brother," and they don't mm -hmm. mean to, but it's just hard to avoid it because you've heard it so much. So look, you know, study your profession, love it, and the people around you. However, look outside 
your art form for a little bit of inspiration. I talked about this on a few episodes back. You know, Aaron even gave us a great quote on being familiar with novelty, okay? And I love that thought. So I told you about myself being heavily influenced by various comic book characters. So here's something else to think about, something new to bring to this specific topic. I want you to keep your inspirations relevant. How about this? Who remembers Terry Funk as a cowboy, right? So he was a cowboy, and not only was that a reflection of his true self, which we spoke about recently as well, but it was highly relevant to an era of hardcore Western films and, and badasses and cowboy hats, yeah. guys. So it was super relevant. It, it, was, it was awesome visually. Um, seeing, you know, and Terry Funk's just one example, but the rootin' tootin' tough cowboy Terry Funk from Texas, like, it was such an amazing, relevant thing that, that really came across as genuine on the screen. So think about, how about The Miz as a reality star? Remember when MTV basically created a reality TV era that was copied by virtually every station out yeah. there? WWE did their part, and suddenly a reality TV star was winning championships inside the company, right? So you've got The Miz as a reality star reflecting what was really relevant in pop culture at the time, winning championships inside the company. And on that same note, how about Dancing with the Stars? When it first debuted, it was everywhere. And suddenly, we had a dancing pro wrestler, you know? Um, and speaking of The Miz, guess what he's doing today in 2021? He's on Dancing with the Stars right now. I know because my wife always tells me, come look at The Miz. And I love it. Uh, I love it, guys. But so, you know, art imitates life, you know, whatever, however you want to call it. Because suddenly we've got Dancing with the Stars, and then we've got a wrestler that dances, and then we've got Chris Jericho on Dancing with the Stars. Now we've got The Miz on Dancing with the Stars. It's amazing, guys. So just keeping your things relevant. I got one more example for you that should really hit home for modern times. Brock Lesnar as an MMA guy. And, okay, let me specify that. Brock Lesnar wasn't just as an MMA guy. He is an MMA guy. That's great. But he was a pro wrestler in trunks first. He was an amateur wrestler, and then he was a pro wrestler. And when cage fighting grew in popularity, we saw guys like Ken Shamrock and even Tank Abbott rise to like superstardom. And Lesnar took it to a whole new level when he returned with basically a full MMA persona where he's beating guys in less than five minutes and whatnot, and he's just brutalizing them, throwing them around and stuff. So keep all that stuff in mind, everybody. Pay attention to the world. Draw in inspiration from the things that are popular, especially if they interest you or come to you naturally. Maybe you grew up loving the American Badass Undertaker, you know, um, but you've never touched a motorcycle in your life. So maybe that's not the gimmick for you. You know what I mean? So maybe you draw inspiration from that, sure. But if motorcycles are only just cool to you, they're not actually a thing that you can do, you know, successfully, that might not be the absolutely perfect thing for you. But, okay, so you loved the Motorcycle Undertaker, but you can't ride a bike, but you're an amazing singer. Like, that, that's just, it's an interesting thing, and those are two, I like to give that to y'all, you know, those two, like, polar opposites or whatnot, I guess you could say, but think about that. If you're an amazing singer, maybe that's where you should be putting your focus in your promos and even in your in-ring persona and whatnot. So just keep that in mind, keeping it relevant to the world around you, and also keeping it relevant to your own person and being able to draw genuinely on aspects of your own life. Yeah, man, I mean... You know what this makes me think of is sales. Like, if, mm -hmm. you know, my wife has been a salesperson for quite a while. Yeah. And, you know, I, I used to sell Cutco knives back in the day, like when I was in college. So I would go yeah. door to door selling Cutco, knives. Yeah. And at that time, um, the uh, you had Austin Powers and you had like the little mini-me character, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. So we had knives that we were selling and we had one knife and then we had one that was smaller. We right. called it the mini-me one. Of course. 
And it was amazing because it was relatable to kind of what was going Absolutely. on. And people, you said that instead of calling it whatever it was called. And people found it more interesting. Of course, yes. So, I, I mean, I think you can take a lot away from that, but definitely with the character. It relates perfectly to sales. Yeah, yeah I love that. And, yeah. And also, if I could relate this mm -hmm. uh, to what you said before, yeah. um, know your history. Yeah. Um, I believe, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, I think even Steve Austin had some of his moves that were mm -hmm. guys have done before him. And he, sure. asked, he asked permission to right, be able right, to right. use them. But he pulled some of that... Um, you know, stuff that's in there from the history to be able to make more present into the current time. Absolutely. That hadn't been done for a while. So. 100%. Yeah, for uh, sure. I think what's going on, but what also has happened in the past that kind of worked, like you mentioned before. So Keep them relevant. No, that's yeah. absolutely right. So. All right, so we got uh, three down here. What is number four? All right, guys. So here we go. Last one today. We're going to talk about listening to your audience. All right, like I said, this is the last one. So do me a favor. Do yourself a favor as well and listen to that crowd. They will tell you what they want if you truly, truly pay attention. I have watched guys kill themselves with a million bumps in the ring and get absolutely crickets from the crowd, while the next match runs a comedy spot and the entire place erupts. They love it. I've also seen the exact opposite, where diehard wrestling crowds loved every single bump and bruise that was taken, and when the comedy act showed up, they went to the restroom. Okay. You have to listen to your crowd, and you have to be able to pivot if need be. And that is a high-level skill, but it is something that you have to be able to do, okay? And how do you do that? Reps. You just have to learn from experience, okay? Listen to the veterans and speak to the other people in the locker room. Get the, the advice of the promoters and the people that matter, like we've talked about on here before, the certain people whose opinions truly, truly matter. Yeah. Go and listen to those people. Find out what they think you could have done differently or what you did correctly, how the fans responded, how they reacted. They're going to let you know what they want to see. They're going to let you know if they want to see more high-risk top rope moves or chain wrestling on the mat or comedy spots or whatnot. But, guys, it's, it's simple, but it is not easy. Listen to the crowd and learn to lean in the direction that they take you, all right? The worst thing you can do is enter the ring and perform some kind of rehearsed dance routine mm -hmm. and only focus on that and not acknowledge the crowd at all, okay? I'm not opposed at all to putting together your match in the locker room and having a plan when you go out there. I do it myself, absolutely. I am opposed to you coming up with a plan in the locker room and refusing to pivot in any direction once you get into the ring if the fans aren't responding properly. You have to acknowledge the fans. That's why you're out there. You are out there to give the fans the experience of a lifetime, to give them the experience that they want to have because remember, they want to be you. They want to be pro wrestlers as well and they're in the crowd for whatever reason, be it a kid or just someone that couldn't get onto their pro wrestling journey on their own. So, guys, acknowledge those fans. You got this. You can do this. All you got to do is go out there and give a listen and let them take you where they want you to go. Yeah. Uh, John, I was at a, mm -hmm. a local show um, a few months ago, mm -hmm. and these guys, they had a spot. It was definitely a spot, Yeah. but it just did not go over. Right. The crowd was silent. Not you reacting could hear at crickets, all. Right. and they were begging the, the right. baby faces were basically begging for some applause or something sure. to happen. And it, man, it broke my heart, really. Yeah, oh, I know. It, 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 I, I was like, oh, come on, guys. Let's, you know, let's figure it out. And um, anyway, when, when you're in that kind of a spot, yeah. I'll put you on the spot here with a yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. But 
is there a point if you're not getting anything where you just like call the finish and like yeah. you know, or is that something where you you know if you got ten minutes and you're five minutes in, or well maybe a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but you know, is there a point where you where you say I'm not sure and we just need to get out of this yes because that's how i felt with them i was like i think they just need to end it because they were trying sure they just couldn't get the audience in there i there's absolutely a point and you know when does it come it's going to be different for for different individuals but if i am doing something in the ring let's say i'm doing a a i don't know a, a a strike exchange where that's that's typically to the point in a longer match where guys are laying in shots to each other and they're they're fired up with adrenaline and they're, they're screaming, come on, and you hit them and then they hit you and then you hit them and then they hit you. If the fans aren't responding to that, if they're not into that moment, then I will stop short of what we're doing, cut off my opponent, if, if you so basically cut them off, like give them a different move or something, and then try something new real quick. Be that if they're not responding to my strikes at all, what if I cut my opponent off? hit a quick suplex, what do they do when the suplex happens? What does the crowd say? If they still give me nothing, then now I've discovered they don't care about my strikes. They're not invested in our strike exchange at all. They're not invested on seeing me hit a move either positively or negatively. Mm -hmm. So now, do I either, because I have my opponent on the mat and I just pin them probably from the suplex so I'm close, I can communicate with my opponent now. Do I say, we're going to take this home, meaning we're going to finish the match, do I say, we're going to pivot, we're going to go to something else? So right there, you have to make that decision. Do you just call it off right there? Do you finish the match? Or you could you could test out other theories. You could completely pivot. Let's say if your next idea was to go to the top rope or something, maybe that was what the plan was. Instead, you dump them to the floor, and you get right in the front row, and you put your opponent against the barricade in the front row, and you give them a chop and that big slap across the chest. Yeah. Does that wake the crowd up? because now you're closer and you did something really loud just there are different things you can try in the moment if you have the time to to see if you can get a different response because you might wake them up with that and then go right then you go right back into the ring and go into whatever your plan was originally yeah maybe but you know sometimes you might have to make a judgment call right there like yeah I'm going to take it home and you just go into your finish and get out of there cuz the crowd's not into you or they're not into your opponent or they're they're bored or tired or maybe you know, and this also comes to like setting up a card. If they just watched two guys kill each other with 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 weapons and uh, tables, and mm-hmm. and then you come out there and try to have a straight wrestling match, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough act to follow. You know, lots a match that has a lot of gaga in it is going to be tough to follow with just pure wrestling for the most part, depending on what crowd you're in front of. So, uh, the real answer is there's no specific answer. Right. You just have to try. So. Go out there and give it your all. Um, if you're focusing on your opponent with something like that strike exchange and you're not getting a response and then you cut your opponent off and then you, the heel, whoever the heel is in that moment, should cut the other opponent off and go to the crowd and express something. Express some distaste for them. Um, a very classic, you know, kind of cheesy heel thing to do is uh, you look out at a dead silent crowd and you scream, uh, keep your mouth shut, yeah. and all of a sudden they're really loud. So, you right. know, there's there's things like that to try to get them awake and interested in some way or another because it might not be you personally. It might just be what they've already seen that night or or something else. So, so guys, knowing how to react in the ring 
it's just going to come with repetition. Yeah. You're just going to have to try over and over again until you can find that right formula. That And that right formula is not going to work every single night. You're going to have to make pivots. And you're going to have to listen to that crowd and find out and make judgment calls sometimes. I know it's a hard decision for us to make, like to cut a match short. That's a, that's a, most wrestlers are trying their hardest to weasel in extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they never think about cutting time when in reality, cutting time is actually a very valuable tool sometimes. So yeah. save something for the next day. But anyway, guys, we had a really cool conversation today, I think. Yeah. We talked about some really cool topics, and um, I'd love to talk more about them. So head on over to Facebook and Instagram. Give us a like. There's comment sections on both. There's also our private Facebook group. You can let us know what you thought about this episode, the previous episode, and any of these short topics we kind of rapid-fired. We can go in deeper if you would like. So just holler at us, guys. We are here for you, and we are here to listen. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. And don't wait for your opportunity, guys. Take it.